grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. You may be seated. Peter, the Apostle Peter, was capable of so much. He really was. We give him a hard time sometimes, but he was capable of so much. He was a bold and courageous leader. He was a powerful preacher. He was a fisherman, maybe a middling fisherman. But in any event, Peter was capable of so, so much. There's one thing, though, that he definitely was not capable of, and that is being quiet. <laughs> now, sometimes that was a good thing, right? Sometimes it was a good thing that Peter was willing to step up when nobody else wanted to speak. Peter was the one who, even right before our, in the events of today's gospel, Peter was the one who, when Jesus asked, who do people say that I am? Who do you say that I am? Peter said, oh, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Peter was not afraid to make that confession of Jesus here. He was the one who was willing to exhort his brothers to say, come, let us follow him even unto death. Sometimes it was a good thing that Peter refused to be quiet. And sometimes it wasn't. This is one of those times that it wasn't good, that Peter couldn't keep quiet. So just to set the stage again and, and give that context, Jesus is going up to the mountainside to pray. And lo and behold, he invites to come along with him three of his disciples, Peter, James, and John, kind of his inner circle. And just imagine how, uh, how you, you would feel, how privileged you would feel in that moment, like thinking, oh, yes, I am, I'm one of the chosen ones. I get to go with Jesus. This is so cool. So they go up on the mountainside to pray but apparently Jesus prays for quite a while because Peter and James and John start to fall asleep. But be that as it may, it's a wonderful prayer. They're excited to be there with Jesus. It's a powerful, glorious moment in its own right. But it's about to get even more glorious. And it's not a dream. It's not a dream. They're awoken out of their slumber when they see before them this vision of Jesus in all of his glory. We call this the transfiguration, the transformation, the metamorphosis of our Lord. But truly speaking, it's like the curtain is pulled back. And what we see here in the transfiguration is Jesus as he really is in all of his glory. Not just the Son of Man, but also the Son of God. And if that weren't enough, Jesus is there talking with none other than Moses and Elijah. I've, I've kind of wondered, how did they know that it was Moses and Elijah? You know, the movie hadn't come out yet. Did they just, hello, my name is Moses. In any event, they knew that it was Moses and Elijah and they were overwhelmed. I mean, this is the sort of thing that you and I might say, if only I could be a fly on the wall, right? If only I could be a fly on the mountain and I would just take it all in. And so Peter gets to be more than a fly on the wall. He's there in person. And is he just going to soak it all up, take it all in, be quiet? No. Oh, jeez. Jesus, sure is good to be here. We're just happy to be. Thank you for this opportunity. This is wonderful with you and Moses and Elijah up there all chatting away. You know, we really ought to do something nice for you. I'm thinking camping. We need three tents here. No, he's not talking about camping. More on that in a minute. <laughs> but it's good to be here, Lord. And I love Luke. Luke is not one for editorializing, but here he just can't help himself by, but insert. And Peter did not know what he was saying. Like, you don't say. 
Peter just couldn't be quiet. Sometimes that was a good thing, but here it was not good at all. So then what? Where do things go from there? Well, you remember that dictum that's uh, often attributed to Mark Twain, and he himself might have taken it from the book of Proverbs. Better to keep your mouth shut and leave people wondering whether you are a fool than to open your mouth wide and leave them no doubt, right? That's where Peter is at right now. And the book of Ecclesiastes says, when you draw near to God, let your words be few. Do not offer up the sacrifice of fools. But this is precisely what we have happening here, offering up the, the sacrifice of fools, refusing to listen. So the first problem of Peter here is the fact that he says anything at all, that he speaks rather than listen. That's the first problem. But the second problem is what Peter says. See, because the fact that he pipes up in that moment and he prattles on when he really ought to just be quiet, perhaps that could be excusable if only he said something worthwhile or enlightening, but instead he goes on about, okay, we're going to make three tents for you. Now, again, this is not about a camping sort of thing. He's referring to the Old Testament practice or the, the uh, place of the tabernacle. You remember the tabernacle? It was this traveling place of worship for the people of God. It's what Moses himself was the one who was the, the instrument, who was God's uh, you know, foreman, so to speak, for that construction project. Moses was the one who oversaw that building of the tabernacle, that place where God was going to meet with them. So it leaves kind of as an open question, like, so Peter, how do you plan to do this? You're going to build three tabernacles right now? You're just going to run down to Home Depot real quick and then do this? Well, again, he doesn't know what he's saying. But it's not just the fact that it was nonsensical, but that he is putting Jesus on par with Moses and Elijah. Saying, yeah, I'll build three tents, one for Moses, one for Elijah, and, you know, what the hey, one for you too, Jesus. But listen, Moses, as the book of Hebrews said, is the servant. Jesus is the son. Great as Moses and Elijah were in the history of God's people, they were but mortal, flawed men. Whereas Jesus is none other than God incarnate. And in fact, it says in John chapter 1, verse 14, the word, Jesus, became flesh and dwelt, or literally tabernacled among us. Now, you're not going to build a tabernacle for the tabernacle in the flesh. Jesus is God incarnate, Peter. And so the problem isn't just what he said, but that he, not just that he said something, but what he said as well. And so finally, the father, the father has just heard enough, and the cloud overshadows the whole mountain, and he interrupts this little interruption of itself. And it's almost like if you were sitting in a movie theater, and suddenly the director himself comes and taps you on the shoulder. He's like, hey, pay attention to this. Because the father cries out from heaven. We hear his voice that says, this is my son, the chosen one. And catch this. Listen to him. I think it's a rebuke against Peter, but also a summons. Peter, quit the babbling. Listen. Listen and listen to him. Because this Jesus is not just another prophet. He's not just some great man of God. This is my chosen one. He is the one in whom all things hold together. He is that promised Savior of the world. And then the story concludes with a minor miracle. 
It's not on par with Jesus' resurrection by any means, nor even the Lord quieting the seas. But we have this minor miracle where it tells us, then Peter was silent and told nothing to no one. So what are we to take from this story? There's so much here in this rich narrative, this moment, this glimpse of our Lord's glory. What does it speak to us today? Well, I want to focus on those words of the Father, those words that he spoke to Peter and that he speaks to you and me. When he says, this is my son, listen to him. First off, listen. Listening is in short supply in our world today. Would you agree? It is in short supply as we live in this world that is filled with so much noise. And it's coming from every inch and corner of creation. Whether you're talking about TV or media, social media, whether you're talking about our, our peers and whether you're even talking about ourselves. There is noise in every little place. And yeah, we are also complicit in this. It's not just a problem out there in the world, but you and I sometimes are not so good at listening. Hmm? St. James says, be slow to speak and quick to listen. But I think oftentimes we invert that teaching and we are quick to speak and slow to listen. Are we not? Failing to listen to one another and failing also to listen to God. Listening is in short supply and you and I are also guilty of this. And so there is this admonition and this invitation from God the Father. Listen. Listen. And you know what? I think it's a gift. I think it's a gift that God calls you and me to a place where we are able simply to listen. It says in the book of Isaiah chapter 30, In returning and rest shall be your salvation. In quietness and trust shall be your strength. I think we tend to think that if we're going to have strength, it's going to be through our words, through our speaking, through the things that we are able to offer up. But instead, God says, no, your strength is precisely in your quietness, in your listening, because your strength is in me, in receiving from me and being in that, that passive place of receptivity. That's where your strength is going to be. Listen. And again, in that uh, verse that I often quote from Psalm 46, verse 10, which we have in most of our translations, it says, be still and know that I am God. But what it literally says, if you would pardon my French, is shut up and know that I'm God. No fooling. God's saying, look, be quiet. It's the same word that's spoken to the Israelites when they are standing on the, the precipice of the Red Sea and all of them are freaking out and saying, oh no, what's going to happen to us? Did you bring us here just because there weren't enough graves in Egypt? And God says through Moses in that moment, be still and know that I am God because it's in that quietness in listening that you will find true strength. And friends, I think it's a grace, a gift that he calls us into. I may have told the story before. A few years back, I was talking with a camp director, a colleague of Chip's, not Chip, but another camp director, a guy by the name of Bob Baker, who's camp director at a camp up in the Northwest called Luther Haven. And 
Bob and I were just talking about all the blessings that camp brings and what it is that the kids especially love about going to camp. He asked me this. He said, Ryan, what do you think are, is the thing that kids tell us again and again and again is their favorite part of camp? And I was like, gosh, it could be so many things. Maybe it's you know, going swimming in Lake Coeur d'Alene, or maybe it's all the new friends that they meet, the games that they play, and the scriptures that they learn, on and on and on. And he says, no, to a person, their favorite thing is this. Their phones don't work. And you might think, well, wait a second. I thought teenagers loved their phones. I thought they were addicted to their phones. And there might be some truth to that. Doesn't mean that they love it. Doesn't mean that any of us love it. But that maybe what we're looking for, as much as anything, is a space and a place, an invitation to listen. Because in that place of listening, there's grace. There is peace as we listen to our Lord. And that's the second word here for us. Not just to listen, but to listen to him, to listen to our Lord Jesus. Because look, yeah, there are plenty of voices out there for you and me to listen to. So many voices that are clamoring for your attention to lay claim to, to your attention and even to your identity, whether it be advertisers or politicians or parents or peers or just that voice in your own head. There are so many voices for us to listen to that can distract us away from our Lord Jesus when his word and his word alone is the one that we need, that it's his word that speaks to you and me and says that you are enough. A few weeks back, right before the Olympics, the kids and I had to rewatch one of my favorite movies from when I was a kid, Cool Runnings, the story of the Jamaican bobsled team. Some people you know they can't believe, but Jamaica, it has a bobsled team. And they were back this year, too. But there's this moment toward the end of the movie when Doris, who's like the star of this Jamaican bobsled team, he's the one on whom all of their hopes really hinge. And he's hearing all those voices the voices of his late father, who himself had been an Olympian, and he's thinking, I've got to live up to what he did. The voices of all the, the expectations from his fellow citizens, from all the other Jamaicans who are saying, you've got to be the one. Even the voices from his peers, from the other guys that he's in the bobsled with, all of these different voices. And he's wondering, do I have what it takes, right? And he has this conversation with his, his coach, who's played with by John Candy. You remember John Candy? And John Candy is his coach, and in the movie, he had won a couple of gold medals before. But then later, he cheated and had those medals stripped away. And Doris asks him, you know, why did you cheat? And John Candy, I forget what the coach's name even is, but he, he says, I just, I had to win. And Doris says, well, wait a second, but you had one. You had a gold medal already. Why did you need to, to cheat to try and win more? And he says to Doris, he says, you need to understand, if you aren't enough without a gold medal, you will never be enough with it. If you're not enough without a gold medal, you'll never be enough with it. And what he's telling him in that moment is you can listen to all of those other voices out there that tell you that if only you do this thing, if only you did this thing, that then you will be enough but it's never enough. Only the voice of your Lord Jesus 
can speak and say to you and me that you are enough in him. Because he is the one in whom all of the the law of God has been satisfied. He is the one in whom all of our sins are absorbed and then buried. He is the one who is risen from the dead for your justification, for your righteousness, for your enoughness in him. Only the voice of our Lord Jesus is able to quiet that guilty conscience. Only the word of our Savior is able to muffle the voice of the accuser, of Satan. Only the voice of Jesus is finally able to quell and to quiet the fears that riddle our hearts. But Jesus is able to do it and is able to do it in full and finally for you and for me. Amen? Jesus is the word. And in a world of words, 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 filled with more noise than any of us would possibly know what to deal with. What you and I need more than anything else is the word among the words. Our incarnate Savior, Jesus, in whom you are enough. Listen to him. Amen. May the peace of God that surpasses all understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Please stand.